It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. What's your reaction to the Winnipeg Jets' contract extensions with Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley? 16% say my faith is restored. 9% say I never lost faith. 21% say are the contracts too long? And 54% say one or both will get traded eventually. You can still answer that question at cjob.com. But Greg, safe to say this blockbuster news that we learned a couple of days ago, had I, I felt it. It was like a, like a seismic shift of excitement as we head into the season, which starts today. Tonight in Calgary, the Jets will uh, take the ice against the Flames in their season opener, home opener, Saturday afternoon at Canada Life Centre versus Florida. And you're right, uh, Brett. I think there was, after the disbelief, because nobody saw this coming. And I we asked yesterday, uh, Kelly Moore, if he saw this coming. You heard it from a variety of different commentators and and those that follow the team closely on our air yesterday. John Shannon, Jim Toth, Cameron Poitras. Nobody saw this coming. And so when you took some time to process what had happened, I agree with you. I think there's a sense that, oh boy, you know, the concern over Winnipeg's ability to keep it's superstar players. If you go back across the last 12 years, the Jets have far more often managed to sign their star players to long-term contracts at very good terms and prices. Some will say some too long. Let's have a debate one contract at a time on that. Overall, I think you cannot argue with the fact that Kevin Sheveldayoff has managed to keep those players that he's drafted here, developed here, Long term, and that's wow. I think the rest of the NHL, never mind the fans in Winnipeg, fans around the league, teams around the league, and maybe players in other cities, had to sit up and take notice of what happened here over the last two days. I want to know his secret to keeping a secret. Like, never do you hear that. It's always never. something gets leaked. Amazing. Sources say, you know, on trade days, you always hear ahead of time who's reporting what and who's going where. It's like it's like it's the last. There's no surprises left in the world. And I think that was the part of the fun of it because there it was a surprise after all this talk over the past few months. And so now you move forward knowing that those guys are here. It might not be seven, might be less than seven, but they're here for a while. Now you can move on from all that talk. So that's fun because, of course, the season has debuted. And I was just watching some highlights in the kitchen with Greg of Pittsburgh against Chicago and Connor Bedard playing against his boyhood idol, which is Sidney Crosby. How special is that? And they had the ref mic'd up. And I'm not normally one to get too excited for the start of a season. I ease into it. And I'm tearing up in the kitchen at 5.55 because you hear the ref go... Uh, welcome back to another season, Sid. And then he goes, then Connor, welcome to the NHL. And then boom, face off with your childhood hero. And I was like, his mom must be so proud. <laughs> and I was all excited for him. He he netted his first point last night. And so, you know, just for all the little things in life, like oh, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the world right now. We acknowledged and we will continue to acknowledge that throughout the day. It's hard to catch your breath sometimes, which is why sport lives, right? It's the place where you can go to escape the same way we might feel about movies, it might be music, but it's that moment where you can be like, well, that was nice to feel nice for a second because, boy, have the last few days had a lot of us hurting. Hey, when was the heyday 
I, I mean, I know that movie theaters have had numerous heydays and, and, and sections and chunks of time where they were the thing to do, but never more so than during World War II. You know, the, 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 the ability to escape the news of the day and to turn it all off has been uh, something that, that we've had to do as human beings for all time. And hockey will serve for many of us a distraction from many of the very serious things, and including uh, war in the Middle East. Uh, talk about things you weren't expecting to happen over that Thanksgiving Day weekend. Uh, that was uh, probably at the top of the list. And it, it feels like it grows more horrifying, you know, the more you learn, the more you, reports you see. I had a, a former colleague texting me from Israel last night and he said he was advising me to not watch certain stories and read certain headlines because it was too much for him. He was feeling so much pain and here he is trying to protect me and, it, and I'm not directly impacted. So it just feels like the more this continues, the, the worse it will get. And we'll talk about this. I know more of this morning, but in Israel, the government, in fact, warned parents to make sure that their kids stayed off of social media yesterday in case some of the, the videos uh, would be visible. That, that's, how, that's how disgusting, deplorable some of this video imagery and some of these actions, some of these terrorist acts uh, were over the weekend, Brett. We'll have more in our next segment from Global's Jeff Semple, and we'll learn a little bit more about the rally that was held in Winnipeg last night. You know, look, it's never a bad time to talk about mental health, even when World Mental Health Day was yesterday. Safe to say we were a little preoccupied with what's happening in the world. So let's take a few moments now to discuss because we are blessed, as you know, here at 680 CJOB to have so many wonderful contributors when it comes to mental health, including psychologist Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, who joins us now. Raymond, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So uh, the last three and a half years have been rough in your observation. What sort of an effect has that had when it comes to our mental health? Yeah, well, it's important to consider that mental health and mental illness is not just determined by genetics, but actually a large contributor can be be determined by what we call social determinants of health. So, you know, the things that happen in in our environment, the trauma that we experience, even just circumstances like COVID that really forced people to self-isolate have some increased worry about, um, you know, uh, contagions and illness, all that starts to increase problems with mental health and mental illness. So my thought when we think about World Mental Health Day, anytime we talk about mental health and mental illness, is really starting to consider what we can do as a society and our leaders can do to help prevent mental illness. So let's talk about um, prevention, and I'm wondering where kindness might play into that, Raymond, because I was reading earlier this week some professors out of Dalhousie University and PEI were talking about the world potentially being a meaner or harder place as we emerge out of COVID, and I think we see examples of that maybe in customer service, the way people talk to one another, you know, just our impatience. How, how can kindness lead to having better mental health? Well, I think about a proverb from my own cultural and uh Based community, you know that uh, um, a smile is charity, a kind word is charity. You know, removing something from harm from somebody's path is charity. And this idea that, you know, when we start to consider or live beyond ourselves and our own perspectives, we have the ability to actually turn a simple act into something that strongly benefits the health and well-being of other people. Um, and you know, we have terminology like this in health. I mean, even physicians they talk about the concept of bedside manner. 
that how we engage with other people can strongly influence the health and well-being of not just ourselves, but the people in our community. Raymond, bias of all sorts can impact that that ability maybe to be kind. So when something terrible somewhere else in the world, what do we do if the emotions we feel are rooted, are are at the heart based and, and come from the bias that we have uh, towards a, a, a certain situation, regardless of, of the actuality, so to speak? Yeah, or even a particular group of people. So, I mean, what happens is when we go through difficult times, COVID, or even what's happening across the world, even today, um, it's very easy for us to get our emotions very escalated. And when when our emotions are escalated, we don't engage in critical thinking, and we're going to go to the automatic kinds of thoughts that we have. And what we have to recognize is that in today's world, so a lot of our automatic thoughts or biases actually are reflective of racism and discrimination. And so, you know, it concerns me sometimes when, you know, we see politicians and leaders making blanket statements. Um, What they don't recognize is that they're actually perpetuating a lot of those biases uh, and racist ideology that have a very strong impact on the health and well-being of our community here uh, in Canada and the U.S. Um, And it shows up. Um, in acts of terrorism that happened right here on our own soil. Yeah, like when major, we're in the middle of a major, another major conflict, and when these big conflicts happen in the world, that can lead to a fear of retribution for some, no matter where you are in the world, like we saw it with Muslims after 9-11, and to the point where it even became a joke in the the Harold and Kum, the first Harold and Kumar movie, where people of a certain comer, color were just assumed to be terrorists. So I would imagine there are a lot of people around the world right now who are experiencing this stress and this fear. Well, yeah, absolutely. But we have to think it's gone, like it's recent, far more recent than 9-11. I mean, we've got... I mean, remember here in Canada, we had somebody walk into the mosque and, and, and murder a bunch of people. We had somebody run over a family. You know, we have these very strong views of Islamophobia and xenophobia. And I have to be honest, I mean, even when you asked me to come and talk about this stuff, like I had to think a thousand times over, you know, uh, for, for two reasons. Number one, as I said, because I have to be careful that I want to make sure that the things that I say are not perpetuating hate. Um, in my own community, amongst my friends, who, in in accordance to some things that that are happening in the world that might be seen on the opposite side, I want to make sure I protect them. But also because I'm concerned about how it protects me. Um, You know, I watch the news not just to be informed. I watch the news because I need to know when me and my family are at risk. And the truth is that we are, and we do face discrimination on a regular basis. We do face hate and Islamophobia. And I think a lot of the messaging that we see uh, from our leaders that are not thoughtful about the context of what's happening um, can promote a great sense of hate and I think offer permission to a lot of people who are looking for an opportunity to engage in hate and terrorism right here in our own community. Raymond, before we let you go, uh, you know, one of the things we've been talking about off the air is how important, and even yesterday as we ended the show, we, we talked about a lighthearted social media account and how we like watching 
dogs do silly things on yeah. Instagram or whatever. But when the world gets heavy, how important are those frivolous things or those distractions, whether it's watching cats do funny things or uh, you know going out and playing a game you like or, or perhaps baking cakes that, say, look like the Golden Girls? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I know, I mean, I, I manage a lot of stress by baking. I mean, and there was news actually just out recently where Bruno, one of the judges on the Great Canadian Bake Show, talks about his own history with trauma. And I think that's a really profound thing that he had shared. Um, so, I mean, I, I bake, I manage stress with that. There's a Golden Girls cake I put up on my social media. It, it helps profoundly because it's a form of self-care. But more importantly than even that concept of our own personal self-care and baking is this concept of social support and the relationships that we have and a sense of safety and a trust. And that's where I go back, you know, and that's why we look for likes. I mean, so, you know, it's why we, we want to connect with people. I, I made that cake not just for me to eat, but for me to connect with community and, to, and for me to connect with my family and my friends. And so that is far more critical than anything else. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman joining us live on 680 CGOB. Raymond, always a pleasure. Thank you for your insight. Thanks for having me. 644 with Mackling McGarry and McNabb. It really was a cool cake. What was the what was the, the golden girl who um, always said, picture it? Was it Sophia? Sophia, yeah. P- Sicily. Picture it. Sicily, 1927. Looked just like her. She was... She was, in actuality, the youngest yeah. of the four actresses, right? <laughs> mom, or actors. right? Yeah, Blanche's the mom. mom. Blanche, uh, yeah, her so, mom. Sophia. Blanche's mom? Yeah. Yeah. No, Dorothy. Oh, Dorothy's mom. Yeah. Okay. Dorothy's mom. Which one was Blanche? <laughs> she, was the, uh, she was the one who liked to... Uh... Get around. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say it. I'm like, <laughs> Betty White's character, what was her name? Uh, I can't remember. Isn't that terrible? Rose. Rose, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I was going to say we got three out of four, but now we have four out of four. <laughs> It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have a question for you this morning. What is something that you still remember from school, whether it's of use or not? And this is inspired by some questions, I guess, Loren, that your boys were asking you, and you're like, I don't know, man. Do you think I remember that from biology class in school? It's pretty great. Greg and I were saying this morning how your kids, until a certain point, I'm sure, they assume you have the answers to things. And so they just ask you, and well, what do you, what is that again, mom? And so one of my kids is studying for their science class and is doing a module or whatever you call it on bacteria, I think maybe, or because it's pro, something to do with protozoas. Protozoa. <laughs> I know. So, so then they come home and like, what is, what is a good example of a protozoa zoa, and which disease should I, bacteria should I pick? And I'm like, I... Don't know. And even this morning as I look up protozoa and I looked up what's a simple way to describe protozoa, the answer is microscopic unicellular eukaryotes that have a relatively <laughs> complex internal structure. That is, that's under the headline, what is protozoa in simple words? So oh, anyway, yeah, there's, there's just things that obviously if I had gone on in life, I took science till the end of grade 12. If I had gone on in life to do something sciencey, I think that might have stuck in my brain. I did not. But other things have over the years. I said to you guys this morning, I don't know when I learned at grade five or something, but an oversimplified opinion not based on fact about a person or group of people is the definition of stereotype. She uh, was not reading. According to 1989 or whatever according the year that was. See, you never want to come across as not knowing the answer. So here's the trick. You go, 
I couldn't tell you, but there is Google. You haven't admitted that you don't know the answer. You're direct giving them directions to be self-sufficient. You save face. And the misconception that you know everything lives on for at Except least one for, more hour. I'm helping him study. And he's like, was that the right answer? And I'm like, sounded great. Check your notes. <laughs> the answer is check your notes. Is it the right answer or not? <laughs> you tell me. Poitras, what's something you remember from school, whether it's of use or not? Uh, I, you know, I. That's a really nice uh, watch, by the oh, way. Thanks. I'm just looking at Cam's watch. Yes, my wife directed me. Um, like, I don't know, the, <laughs> the Greek gods. Yeah, oh yeah. Like Zeus oh, okay. and Hera and Poseidon and Hades. Like that was something I really got excited about in grade eight. Same here. And I loved Greek mythology and I, I love stories and, and, and that sort of thing. And so and that was something. It? Oh yeah, totally. Like I'm still very interested in that's <clears throat> in that sort of thing. Um stories and, and, and mythology and, and that sort of thing. But like I never and then, honestly, I never studied for a single exam in high school. I didn't care. Um, and so asking me to, re- to, to, I didn't memorize anything. Like I just, I did enough to, to just barely scrape by. And yet like, you know so much, like your brain is full of history. So you retain things as long as you like it. Yeah. As long as I'm interested in it, like protozoa, like I know that has something to do with a cell, but like, I, I couldn't tell you anything else about it. Like I just, it's just not my, it's not my, it's not the not thing that I'm jam. interested in. Yeah. And so that was kind of like my struggle with school was, um, I, I I didn't like anybody telling me what I wanted to what I needed to know. I'm like, no, I want to learn at my at what I want to learn. I don't want you to tell me what I want to learn, um, which is not a good way to be a student. I mean, of course, you have to learn this sort of stuff. Like, Has I'm, it been not, valuable to know the Greek gods? Like no, in story, <laughs> no, it hasn't been at all. Not whatsoever. I just was trying to picture him, like you know, walking down the street. This reminds me of the story of Zeus, as he. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I can't even think of one. Yeah, Miss <laughs> Miss Bell. She really like my teacher in grade eight was one, probably my favorite teacher, and she um she talked about like she we did a huge unit on it, and that would like totally sucked me and loved it. <laughs> Cam's on the on a boat and the water's raging, and he says, "Curse you, Poseidon." <laughs> Sarah, what about you? Well, mine is actually also science related, but this is by no means me saying I could tutor your kids, Loren, because this is all I know after like four years of science and bio. But they drilled this into us. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And I, remember, <laughs> I don't know why. What is it? What does mitochondria mean? What? I don't even know what else is in a cell. I just know the mitochondria is the powerhouse. It does it all. Does it all? Is that what powers the force? I it must be. <laughs> yes, must that's be. it. Yes, it's midichlorians. <laughs> yes. I remember having to do a project too, making like a cell, and like you could do it out of like paper or whatever. But like I chose to do cupcakes, and I had a Ooh. great mitochondria out of a cupcake. Not even Master y- Master Yoda has <laughs> mitochondria levels that high. <laughs> Forty. What about you? You can pick your friends, or you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. <laughs> Oh my Why? Sage advice. That's still useful. That's good advice. There's Where did you pick that. up that tidbit of wisdom? I Very accurate, by the way. I can't remember. But seriously, in, in all seriousness, something, something that, that I remember learning in school and it turn, turned out not to be accurate was that uh, that fall, spring, winter, like they, they all change on the 21st. That's not true. I know it's not true. Like apparently, uh, fall starts September twenty second. But I was I was always taught that was the twenty first. Twenty first. Sometime September. between the twenty first and the twenty third. Yeah. It, <laughs> so that was a lie to me. 
Mm-hmm. That <laughs> was a lie. Uh, Mackling, what about you? Point five percent of the world's population is somehow related to Genghis Khan. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yes. Really? Yeah. Powerful genes. No. Powerful I'm... genes. Sixteen million people, I think, in China and they're in like in Mongolia are like direct descendants of Genghis Khan. Yeah, he, 750 years later, they a, say his yeah. genes are very, very powerful. He was a warlord, and uh, it was, yeah. Concubine I mean, it, is yeah. the word you're looking for. Well, there was more than concubines. It's, uh, but yeah, I've heard that too, Greg. So, wow. And that was retained from what year, do you think? Uh, that was, I think, uh, grade eight social studies, Marco Polo, and then the whole idea of just uh, going to the Orient and exploring there, and Hannibal taking the elephants over the Alps and... That wasn't a good idea. I just have to give this to Sarah because Kristen texted <laughs> with a meme that said, me, what are taxes and how do I pay them? School system, worry not. Mitochondria yes. is the powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> The main lesson for everyone today. 204 780 What is something that you still remember from school, whether it's useful information or not, for a chance to win either tickets for a Christmas rock story or witchy wonderland? The winner will pick, the runner up will get the other prize. We'll give those away at 9 15. But right now, we want to talk about potholes. Because uh, this started off as a complaint about a pothole. But now what residents in Old Old St. Vitell are driving around daily has grown into much more than that. Yeah, the pictures are really incredible. And you can see more uh, on Global News Morning where they're doing the report and also eventually on CGOB.com. Because we're talking about it because it started off as just a complaint. But when the complaint gets ignored or just pylons go up around it, well, it develops into so much more. So Global News Morning reporter Clay Young is out on Imperial Avenue now. And Clay, just describe what you're looking at. Well, it's it's a sight to behold. I mean, we we uh, you're right. This this started off as a as a pothole uh, at least two months ago, right? And some of the residents we've talked to. Uh, said they they contacted the city because this pothole was getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where part of the road has has collapsed. So where we are right now, it's uh, the corner of Imperial Avenue and Desmuron Street. And we were alerted to this a couple of days ago by one of our viewers. And it sort of like reminded me back in the summer, remember when one of our listeners... Uh, let us know about all the garbage and debris, you know, in the back alley of between Flora and Selkirk. And like the situation here and in the North End, they contacted the city and they waited and waited and waited. And so they finally contact us. So yesterday when we cruised by, we just started, some of the residents saw us. We're in marked vehicles. They came out and I said, you want to talk about that? Absolutely. So uh, this is Lori Martins who's lived in this area for quite some time. Here's what she had to say. When did you notice what's behind us here? Oh, just over two months ago, I noticed a pothole and then it got bigger. So the city came and put some roadblocks at the end of right where Desmirons is and uh, my street. 
And it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes, a lot bigger. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. You know, and it's uh, not a good thing because if we had to wait for over two months for them to even come and start cutting it today. Yeah. They're fixing it now a little. Well, you, you said that when it began to get larger and larger, you called 311, and what happened? Well, they uh, gave me a number, like an incident number, and they never got back to me. No, uh, the city uh, never phoned me back, and I was concerned how long it's going to take to fix this road because it's so inconvenient for all the neighbors here. Yeah, a lot of people along here, I guess, have been complaining for, for some time now. Yes, I can't believe it's been so long. So, uh, so obviously, you drive... Uh, now, how inconvenient has has it been for you to park along the street? Well, it's been very inconvenient because I would have to move my truck and park behind my garage because my car is in the garage, and I don't like to do it that way. I like to have the truck out front, so it's easier for me just... If I want to take the car, it'd be easier for me to get out of the garage. Yeah. Have you ever seen a sinkhole like this? Never in my life. And I've been living in the city for many, many years. Yeah. 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 Heaven forbid somebody not see it at night or something. But I've seen even, uh, you know, youth, like teenagers late at night playing around the hole. Right. Yeah, that was a concern too. They might get hurt Mm -hmm. because they were all laughing and jumping around and near it. Yeah. John, how long you lived out here? Uh, going on 30 years. Okay, so when did you notice this? Two months ago. And at least, at least two months ago. Yeah. And it started as a pothole and then just started getting bigger? Or? Yeah, it started as a small kind of, it dropped down and then people were still driving over it. And then within a matter of a week or so, it started dropping and this is what it's turned into. So we, within about two weeks, it was that bad and then they came out and put up barricades. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any work done on it, significant work since then? Uh, no. Right. Just this morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so obviously the people along here have complained to the city. Did, did you complain to yeah, the city? We made, made, I made call to 311. I believe my wife did, and I think she might be the one who contacted you people. Okay. And what sort of reaction did you get when you called 311? They just... I didn't get any reaction. I don't know what she got. I couldn't even get through. Mm-hmm. So, and then the city workers have been out here repairing other areas of the street, which, in my opinion, don't really need to be repaired yet. And I talked to them, and they said this wasn't even on their radar. Meanwhile, they came up here and stood there looking at it, and it's like, well, I don't know. So how big of an inconvenience has it been for people that are driving down here? For me, not so much. I'm retired, and I can we can go out the other way, but I'm sure other people, particularly right here, it's a big problem. Uh, and, and when they've come and worked on the street doing the other little projects, they've blocked the whole street off. So that's been an inconvenience, but yeah. my opinion was fix this one first. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you can drive your car in this thing. Yeah. What uh, Have you ever seen anything like this before? Uh, I, I have in this area not not right around here no I have seen it before but not here right yeah yeah all right well it looks like somebody's got the ball rolling because you did see somebody come by and take a serious look at it uh, just this morning yeah yeah so after two months yeah it's been two months yeah, yeah. so yeah anything you want to add no other than I wish to hope they can get it fixed real quick all right <laughs> okay well maybe we can help you out okay thank you All right, John, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Okay, 
That was uh, John Telford. That was another resident we talked to. Now, we contacted the city of Winnipeg yesterday by email. They have yet to get back to us. But uh, we're going to talk to city councilor uh, for the for the St. Patel area, uh, Brian Mays. He's coming by later this morning. And lo and behold, folks, are you guys still with me? We got you. Okay. I hear equipment. So something's going on. Wait, just... Something's going on. There's a big, there's a big truck here, sir. Hi, you're, uh, you're, you're with, uh, you're with a sewer company or sewer repair or what? Sewer flushing and inspection. Sewer flushing. Now you were called over here to look at this, this big hole. I would assume so. Who gave you that? Uh... I just get dispatched the night before. The night specific location. I see. Okay, because somebody said there's something going on with the sewer. And lo and behold, there's this huge sewer truck. That j hey, thank you. When are you supposed to start working on this? I thought they'd be here by now. Who's they? The other people with Enterprise. Okay. Well, we'll hopefully you're going to get at this and fix it today? Yeah, uh, we'll be looking at it anyway. All right. Well, what do you know? <laughs> You maybe can fight City Hall and win. Because this truck all of a sudden came up as I was on the air with you. <laughs> and he said, I'm I'm waiting to, for these other people to come along and we're going to have a look at this. Like, this truck is huge. And Clay, I, believe, I do believe we got to let you go because I think you're up next on television, if that's what I'm understanding. Oh, yeah, but thank I you very much, Mr. Clayman, for, for bringing us out to Imperial Avenue with you uh and that's great to hear that there because it was i i the name rung a bell mick i think i saw this and yeah i found this in our email back on september 27th this had been flagged so like this thing is to imagine that this could sit there for as long as it has is stupid it's you could fit i don't know if you could fit a car in there but the front end of your car could potentially go in there greg several people could climb inside easily so you talk about it being like a hazard to drive around but it's a hazard for for possible danger two months uh, according to one of our listeners is nothing they're want to get clay to go investigate another, another thing one near polo park saying that it's been like that since june right because i get it they're busy they're doing road construction and all the rest but when it becomes dangerous i think there needs to be a change of conversation yeah i know that there was another large sinkhole in that very very same area they had barricades around it um i guess that's that's your warning, right? It's like when you have a bumpy road, they put up the orange sign with the little bumps on it. And we don't have to fix it. We warned you that it's bumpy. It can be bumpy for a few years till we get around to that. Mackling McGarry McNabb, Edmonds, Paul Edmonds, the Wednesday Jets report coming up in three minutes' time. But before that, on the subject of hockey, advocacy groups are slamming a recent clarification from the NHL which bans all symbols. Love to know what fans think about this, 780-6868, because this stems from a memo that was sent from the league making it clear to all players, to the teams, that they must wear standard gear. That's in quotes. So that means things like pride tape. And as I understand it, Greg, you know, uh, pink Cancer night, military tape, whatever you might do in terms of any of those none nights, of none of it can be used on ice. We get more from Global's Mason DePatty from Edmonton. The league says it's a distraction from the work it teams do in the community. 
Now the NHL first banned uh, all themed jerseys in June after a handful of players refused to wear Pride-inspired gear. And uh, this recent clarification uh, clarifies what players cannot do as part of theme celebrations, including a ban on rainbow-colored stick tape. The Oilers were the first ones to debut Pride Tape in 2016. Speaking with the players today, they voiced their disappointment, saying they like theme gear. It's out of uh, our hands. I know personally, I, I enjoyed you know wearing the Pride jersey but, you know, or the Pride Tape. Is it something that uh, that I'd like to see put back into place one day? Uh, certainly. Um, you know, but that's not the way it is right now. And Mason, we're also hearing from the creators of this tape uh, who are based right here in Edmonton. Yeah, they say they're extremely disappointed. The creators note it's an easy way of showing support and important visibility. You can play. One of the partner organizations of Pride Tape says youth who don't feel like they belong quit sports. They say the NHL has made big strides in inclusivity over the last couple of years, and these decisions erode that hard work. It's simply an existence of a community, recognizing that you exist. There's no special treatment, not a special cause. This isn't special considerations or anything like that. You know, those kids in our communities who are not feeling safe playing the game that they love, uh, you know, Pride Tape is designed to be a, an intervention to uh, challenge those uh, hostile uh, locker rooms uh, to say that, you know, you belong here. Like one day you could be Connor McDavid. Global News reached out to the NHL but has not yet heard back. The Oilers are hosting several theme nights this season, including a Pride Night on January 18th. But again, don't expect to see anything on the ice. Yeah, and of course the NHL moved away from from any of those celebratory jerseys, the Winnipeg Jets had at least half a dozen of those over the years. So uh, this all stems from a handful of players, a handful of teams deciding not to go ahead with Pride Night celebrations last season. And so here we are now and now all the celebrations and anything other than standard gear is not going to be allowed. And yeah, I agree with uh, most of the people interviewed in that in that in that piece, it feels like a, a step backward, especially when the NHL felt and seemed to be on the leading edge of that uh, move towards inclusivity. Is there a compromise there? Like, could could it have been fine? We won't. It won't be that everybody has to, but you'll have the ability to. I think that's a yeah. Of course, that's a compromise. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're talking hockey in a moment. Jets playing tonight. A reminder on how you can win some cool prizes. But before that, in case you are just tuning in, we got an update. Loren from the feds on Canadians in Israel. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning again because there, was, there are many people with loved ones back in Israel who might be there living, might be there on vacation, might be there for you know sabbatical or what have you for work. But they are Canadians or Israeli Canadians or Canadian Israelis. And there are 4,200 Canadians registered in Israel, another 476 in the West Bank and Gaza. And some of them want to come home but can't because flights have been grounded or they can't get out. And so Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie says the federal government will start airlifting Canadian citizens, permanent residents, and their families from Tel Aviv by the end of the week. They're again going to be using military planes, most likely, to get them out of there. There's no further timeline beyond the end of the week, but I know there are people watching and listening to see how we might get people who want to get out 
out of that region. And so we'll provide that update as we get it. And that's what we're asking you at cjob.com, Greg, on our question of the day. Yeah, it's for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. The federal government will begin to airlift Canadian citizens, permanent residents, and their families from Israel by the end of the week. Question, is that fast enough? Yes or no? Those are your options at cjob.com. And before we proceed with Hockey Talk, we want to remind you that we have Prizes to give away. We have tickets for either A Christmas Rock Story, which is coming to Canada Life Centre on December 12th, or for Witchy Wonderland at Red River Exhibition Park, which starts this Friday the 13th. And we're asking you about something you retained from school, uh, whether it's useful or not. And Wendy, with an interesting note, who says, when my daughter was in grade four, she said, I wish school would teach more practical things. I mean, it's great to know the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but we should know how to budget and I said, your kid said that to you in grade four? Three cheers. Yeah. Yes. That's pretty cool. So think about all the things teachers are doing though, right? To prep you and prep your kid for all the possibilities. Yeah. And you might be sitting there being like, when am I going to use this trigonometry again? And you don't. But the next kid does, you know, and when am I going to use tangent and cosine? And when am I going to need to know the Greek gods? And when, you know, when is this all going to be? And it's like a, what's the university one course you take? Like a general? Yeah. But they have to do that for 12 grades, just in case yeah. you hear all the things we're introducing you to. It's fascinating. Yeah, you never know where someone's level of expertise Might go. is going to end up. All, like all the kids in my class who were the so-called dumb kids, they're they're all more successful because 100%. they've gone into, you know, one's an electrical engineer and one's a, like a master plumber, heads up a union, I think. Like, yeah. One of my kids said the other day, uh, I'm taking practical math, dad. Shouldn't it all be practical? <laughs> As opposed to what, theoretical? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing long division the other day with my youngest, and that's considered pl- practical math. And I was like, hang on, hang on, let mom work through this. Hang on. I, <laughs> can't, just remember. To- I can't remember. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, there is a pre-sale for that show, Christmas Rock Story. It starts at 10 o'clock today. It runs until Friday morning at 9.59. The pre-sale password through Ticketmaster is CJOB. In the meantime, last night, the National Hockey League kicked off its 2023-24 regular season on three, three fronts in Tampa, Pittsburgh, and in Las Vegas. Yeah, T-Mobile Arena, Vegas Golden Knights captain Mark Stone brought the Stanley Cup onto the ice as the Stanley Cup champs raised their first championship banner. Meanwhile, in Stone's hometown, Winnipeg Jets fans are still checking social media to make sure that Monday's news that both Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley have agreed to identical seven-year contract extensions wasn't some sort of turkey day prank. This is goaltender Connor Hellebuck. I like to try to keep my emotions under me so you're not going to see me get too high too low but like I said there's there's times where you need to let those emotions out and you need to get high and you need to feel what it's like up there so inside I'm up there Um, I might not be showing it but inside I'm up there and I'm really I'm enjoying this and this is a start for an amazing next well eight years but another seven years on top of that to uh to the career and hopefully we can bring a cup home for the Winnipeg Jets. That's always the goal, winning the Stanley Cup. And tonight is the Winnipeg Jets' uh, 13th such quest since moving from Atlanta. Ken Weeb of the Winnipeg Free Press and regular contributor to our Jets coverage here on CJOB joins us now from Calgary. Good morning, Ken. 
Good morning, uh, Greg, and good morning to all. How's it going back home? Not too bad, not too shabby. You're where the, all the action is for the Jets tonight, and we can we can have the conversation about where the Jets fit into the battle for Lord Stanley's Cup this season in a few moments. But the impact of the contract extensions for Hellebuck and Shifley will reveal themselves throughout the season. I want to ask you, though, Ken, do you think these signings make a statement to the rest of the NHL, to other players around the league, players on the Jets, that the Jets have this compa- uh, commitment to be competitive and and to ultimately to win? Yeah, no doubt about that, Greg. I mean, this is a you know, shot across the bow to the National Hockey League that, you know, for anyone, any fan base who thought the Jets would be in the uh, tanking or rebuilding business that they're committed to winning. I mean, that was already evident with the trade in the summer with the Los Angeles Kings, but uh, signing a number one center and a Vesna caliber goaltender, two long-term deals that, you know, in a lot of ways, similar to what the, you know, what the Blackhawks did with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. I mean, there are some parallels because the general manager used to work there, but he wasn't working there when those deals got signed. But, uh, you know, these are two franchise pillars, franchise cornerstones and, you know, one of those guys is the first ever draft pick, and the other one was a fifth rounder who grew into, you know, one of the best at his position. So uh, these guys are hard to find and more difficult to replace. So I know there's always going to be question marks about the end of the deal, but there's no doubt that that you know Josh Morrissey said it best. It sends a bolt of energy through a dressing room like the Jets, where there's a lot of questions about where the franchise is going in terms of competitiveness and. Uh, I would say that they're definitely better positioned for this year and beyond with the, you know, having to remove that uncertainty of, you know, will those two guys be on the team beyond March 8th? I know it's early days, game one. It's, it's, it's literally the earliest of days, but where do the Jets fit in, Ken, when we're talking playoffs and making noise in the playoffs? And I almost feel bad asking that question, but these lists get put out every year around this time. So what are people saying? Yeah, the beauty of the crystal ball, Loren, is that it's still a little bit cloudy in October, but uh, I would say the Jets are uh, a playoff team. Uh, they, you know, they might end up being a wild card. I'm going to pick them third in the Central Division, just slightly ahead of the Minnesota Wild. Um, can they compete for first place like they did in, up until January last year with the likes of the Colorado Avalanche and, and Dallas Stars? Yes, they can, but uh, I would say that they're more in that second tier in the Central Division, but that's the beauty of sport. You got to play the games. You don't know how injuries are going to impact teams above or below them. But uh, this is a team that's deeper up front than last year, and they have, you know, outside of you know, along with Connor Hellebuck, their goaltending has improved. Uh, Lauren Brassois is a, you know, more capable. You know, I would even call him a one B. I would. I don't even consider Lauren Brassois to be a backup, and that's nothing against David Riddick. He had a nice start to last year, but the goaltending has improved because the backup is better. So uh, this is a team that. Still has some questions. Uh, are they are they the team that was in first place in the division in the conference in January, or are they the team that stumbled to the finish line? Uh, I would say it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two things. But uh, in the second year under Rick Bonus, I expect the Jets to be a playoff team again. And as mentioned, some people have them as a wild card team. I'm going to pick them to be third in the division and, and have themselves an interesting matchup uh, in round one. Now the Jets may have secured Hellebuck and Shifley long term. However. This team did part ways this offseason with its fourth and fifth leading scorers in Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler. So how do the Jets expect to replace those 43 combined goals and combined 118 points? Yeah, that's a great question, Brad. I would say that they're banking on better health for Nikolai Ehlers and Cole Perfetti to start. Those are both two players who 
you know, weren't available as often as the Jets would have liked last year. And I understand folks are concerned about Nikolai Ehlers missing all the preseason games with that neck uh, in issue. But these are two guys who are ready to take that next step. I would also say Kyle Connor. I mean, he had a great, great year for normal humans <laughs> with 30 goals and or 31 goals and 80 points. But the year before, he had 47 goals and 93. So I would expect Kyle's production to be on the rise. Uh, Mark Scheifele, even with the 42 goals, uh, his point production was down slightly, but that was more, you know, sort of bad luck than than production. Uh, Ike Salafalo, Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kapari, all the three guys that came over from LA, I think they'll will take care of some of that offensive load. Uh, so it's more a matter of it won't come from one position. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of internal growth, and and from there, I think even also having a full season of Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav Nemesnikov will help. So I think this is more of a four line team, whereas. Last year, the Jets were very reliant on their top six. So I expect the scoring to be a little bit more spread out. And uh, the defense did a nice job of increasing their totals last year. And I think they'll be you know, pretty pretty active again, led by Josh Morrissey, who uh, is bound and determined to be in that Norris Trophy race once again. Ken, uh, we'll let you go after uh, this one really quick, though. Uh, special teams last year, the power play and the penalty kill sort of flipped position in terms of their rankings within the NHL, Jets had always had a fairly decent power play, at least in recent memory, always brutal on the penalty kill. Is there a, a way for both things to click this year? Yeah, I mean, always. I mean, I would think that, the you know, as I mentioned, guys like Ayafalo, uh, he's going to be heavily involved in the penalty kill. I would think they're still going to be pretty active on that front. Uh, power play just needs to find some rhythm. I mean, we know that the goal from Gabe Velarde over to the no-look pass to Kyle Connor looked really good in that first preseason home game. You know, can they do that with sustained uh, ability? I, I think they can, but it's going to be a matter of, uh, you know, becoming a little bit more dangerous and being a little bit more aggressive when it comes to shooting. Uh, Rick's biggest, Rick Bonus's biggest issue with the Jets' power play last year was that they held on to the puck too long. So, uh, we're going to have to see how that goes as the year rolls along. They haven't had a, a lot of chances working together in the preseason, but I do expect it to be better this year as well. One more quick one for you, Ken, from Loren. What you got, Loren? Super important, Ken. Last year they did that cool thing at the end where they awarded each other, I think it was the, like a leather bomber-type jacket. Any sense of what they'll do to keep, try to cre- recreate some camaraderie in that room? Like, Are we thinking maybe like a shared helmet, some sort of pair of shoes that goes around, you know? Great question, Loren. Uh, there, there was no Banff <laughs> pledge this year, so I assume they always have something for player of the game, and last year I think they had two, so uh, there have been no indications of what that might be. Okay. But, uh, my eagle eyes will be on the lookout uh, this evening. Uh, I expect beyond, a text so. at like 10 p.m. with you telling me exactly how this went down, okay? <laughs> well, I know how early you get up, Loren, but you know I will do I my best. I don't care. You, you make that okay. phone, you let me know. <laughs> I will do that. Always great to be with you guys. All Thanks, right. Kenny. <laughs> this just in from Kenny Weeb. <laughs> Ken Weeb with the Winnipeg Free Press and regular contributor to our Jets coverage here on CJOB. Once again, the pregame show tonight, 6.30. Puck drop at 9 p.m. on your radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. 6.80 CJOB.
We have passes to give away for Witchy Wonderland in a moment, along with a Christmas rock story. Our winner is going to choose, we're asking you this morning, at 204-780-6868, about something you retained from school and you don't know why. And before we go through some of our runners-up here, uh, let's bring in Tyson Ruicki. Mackling, why is Tyson in the studio with well, us? Well, Tyson and I were chit-chatting in the uh, outside the studio, and he said, Mackling, I got this great song about how I remember... The Central American countries from one of my teachers. Is it Mr. Unger? Yes, Mr. Unger. And if you ask anyone that went to MBCI from like 2008 to 2017, they will all remember this song. Okay, so and you're going to sing for us. I'll, I'll, I'll try. Song guitar. Well, but it's, it goes, Bill Gates sells his <laughs> new computer products. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like I, a commercial. Yeah, it's like it's like the first it's the first letter of each word. Okay, is goes from the most northern country in South Central America to the most southern. Okay, and really? so show yeah, off. Yeah, it's Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador. It's a little bit of a cheat. There yeah, that's not right. So El Salvador, Bill Gates sells his Honduras, <laughs> New Nicaragua, computer Costa Rica products, Panama. Wow. One more time. Bill Gates sells his yes. new computer products. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was disappointed. I thought the yeah at the end. And I was like, what country starts with why? <laughs> Yemen. <laughs> not down there. That's not Central America. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, Tyson. Thank you very much for that. Uh, one of our runners up here. Uh, says the most, and speaking of geography, the most important thing I learned at school, says this listener, was the existence of Luxembourg. On my first trip to Europe, I spent time there. It was magical. Thank you, geography. So there you go. You can learn some cool stuff. We were and, talking about the different, I remember learning about Australia in grade four and having yes. all sorts of random information about you know, the platypus and the wombat. Yeah, in my head. grade four, <laughs> I think, was Australia and Hawaii. Interesting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Rumhut Kevin taking us to the Caribbean here wants to thank my world history teacher at Mount Royal Collegiate in Saskatoon. I remember a section learning about the flags of the world and one in particular I was drawn to. I don't know if it was the colors that reeled me in, but I had to visit this wonderful Caribbean island once I had the chance to go to Jamaica. Well, I fell in love. Yeah. It, is a, it is a great flag, lovely place. And uh, now we're connecting further dots, especially with a man who calls himself Rum Hut Kevin. <laughs> there we go. I thought that was Blue Bomber related, but maybe it's like an original Rum Hut. I think it's connecting it all together. Yeah. It's like a, like a perfect circle. We're having a lot of people weighing in on uh, pie. Listener Ian mentioned to us earlier, he once tried to, he wanted to, to memorize it up to like a hundred digits, oh, my word. decimal places, uh, but that's pi is what you use to, you know, determine the area of a circle, 3.14. He can so at least go 3.14159. Oh, 14159. Yeah. That's a long ways down. Yeah. But um, we've got time for two more, I think here. Uh, well, three. Greg, you'd flagged Connie. I believe. Yeah, our high school math teacher always said, math is not a spectator sport. You have to do it to learn it. Okay. That, that makes sense. That's fair. And, yep. then, and then Doug, what does Doug say, Greg? Something I learned in grade seven English that I never understood was the perfect participle. The teacher mentioned it every day. When I got to grade eight and through the rest of my school, I never heard it mentioned again. I successfully completed four years of university, two years of Red River College, and often thought of the perfect participle, and maybe I used it, but never knew it. <laughs> I figured you would know what that is, 
Brett. Well, actually, and this is because I went to French immersion. There are a lot of things like I, and I had English class, but I think the, I remember like, even when I took calculus in university, I, I struggled with a lot of basic terminology because oh, of the English versus French. French. Sure. Uh, but it, with English that, yeah, I wouldn't be able to know what a, what a dangling participle is. Okay. But our winner, Loren, is Marcia. I had forgotten all about this. Marcia writes all caps with an exclamation point. Trig. So Katoa. That was the mnemonic for remembering the definitions of the trigonometric functions sine, cosine, and tangent. So so S O H opposite over hypotenuse, that's for sine, cosine, adjacent over hypotenuse, tangent, opposite over adjacent. We all learned that. I said to Marcia, wow, good for you, like, that you retain this. Do you use it in your daily life? And she says, nope, I'm an accountant. <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't a volcano in Indonesia? <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. That's what it is. I knew there was like, that's ringing a bell. What is it, Krakatoa? Krakatoa. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Marcia, congratulations. Marcia's going to pick, and then we'll figure out who our runner-up is. Over the past uh, four and a half days now, some 2,200 people have died in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Yeah, so since Saturday, we've seen 1,200 people uh, who have died in Israel, another 1,055 in Gaza. That's 2,200 lives lost on both sides, and that's a number that's expected to escalate, and, and it's an evolving number as well as we learn more about what's happened and what is happening. Um, but of course, what's going on has left many around the world, including here in Canada, worrying over the fate of their loved ones and, and worrying about broader implications for that region and potentially around the world. You know, there are reports out of different cities like Sydney, Australia, Salt Lake City, Utah, some cities in Canada, uh, people talking about ways to ramp up security around uh, houses of worship, for example, around some campuses in the wake of concerns and fears within some Jewish communities, Greg. Sylvia Marusek is a Winnipegger, author, activational speaker, health and wellness expert and founder of Mind Body Works and a good friend of 680 CJOB. Sylvia, good morning. Morning to all of you. Sylvia, thanks for making some time for us today. How are you doing in in the aftermath and and what happened over the weekend in Israel and what continues to to happen in the, in the Middle East? Um, so I'm you know just getting this cleared up right right at the at the start here. I'm sick, so I apologize for my um, my voice might cut in and out a little bit. I was actually um, so. I have a lot of friends in the Jewish community, and I was actually going to be doing a presentation this evening called Surviving to Thriving, a Guide to Self-Health for Jewish Child and Family Services. And yesterday, it was up in the air whether or not the event was going to go on, um, and I didn't know how I was going to get myself there because I cannot even sit up in bed, but I made a promise that I would be there, I would be masked, I would stay away from people, I wouldn't risk anybody's health, but I would be there because those people are terrified for their loved ones and themselves. And this isn't a political stance. This is a stance on humanity. You know, I'm so sorry. We... The Jewish community needs 
support from their non-Jewish friends right now and from people who aren't even their friends. And they're not, they're not really getting the support that they need. And I know that there are many sides to this conflict. It's not about the conflict. It's not about the politics involved. It is about the humanity of us caring for each other. And that's why I said no matter what, I would be there. Now, it turns out they canceled it. In part, there were security reasons. Um, In part, there are also just, like, who wants to talk about thriving? And I wouldn't have talked about it. I would have done a U-turn. I would have talked about what it takes to get through a day during times of extraordinary stress. I would have tried to give them some coping skills, some tidbits that would help them just take the edge off a little bit. Um, But it's just, it's so tragic to me that they're not getting support, that people all over the world are living in fear, and we're just listening to it on the news. You talk, Sylvia, and and to be clear, if we can't cry now, man, I don't know when we're supposed to, because this is, it's heart-wrenching. So if people feel like doing that at any given moment, I'm here for that, and I have done it myself, watching and listening, and, and so I just thank you for your honesty in this moment, and also just to understand, you know, yes, maybe people might not have wanted to go to that seminar, but were there concerns about security in terms of an actual threat, or is it just the idea you think that some people are also just worried about gathering, because you just don't, you know, the world has shown us you just don't know anymore. Yeah, so to my to my knowledge, there was no um, known security threat, but there would have had to have been, you know, checking driver's licenses, like looking at IDs, um, searching, not searching, but checking bags and so on, because it was open to the public. And it was, there were over 90 people registered. Like this was going to be a large event. And I think just in honor of everyone's suffering, and also because of any potential security risk, it was canceled. And um, I would have been there no matter what. I don't know how I would have gotten there, but I know I would have been able to do it because I just would have done it because they deserve that. People who are in such extreme states of suffering deserve whatever help we can offer. I have friends who have family members in Israel right now, in bomb shelters. Their lives are just devastated. Our guest is... Whatever you believe in, it doesn't matter what you believe in. What matters is that um, we're here to walk each other home. Ram Dass said that. And that is really the truth for all humanity. Anyways, I'm so sorry I interrupted. You did not interrupt, uh, Sylvia. I interrupted, so let me apologize to you. Our guest is Sylvia Marusik, a Winnipegger, author, activational speaker of health and wellness, and founder of Mind Body Works. And uh, Sylvia was set to speak tonight at an event that has been cancelled. So I'm just curious, Sylvia, do like do you or does anybody in your immediate circle uh, f- do you feel any risk for your safety right now? No, I mean, I'm not part of the Jewish community. I just have friends in the Jewish community, but they certainly feel the risk. They absolutely do. I've talked to several people. I sent a personal message to quite a a few of my Jewish friends yesterday just to say I'm 
I stand with you. And if you need anything from me, and that goes for anyone in the Jewish community, if I can support you in any way, I will do that free. Like, just reach out to me. You can find me. Um, I will I will support them. And um, they're all scared. They are scared for themselves. They're scared for their families. Many of them have friends and loved ones in Israel right now. It's just horrific. Sylvia, you know, we've known you for a long time, and your goal has always been, at least in my mind, uh, to spread positivity and, and, a, and a different way of of viewing life and, and turning that into a healthy way of life. And, of yeah. course, our, our social media, our media period, you know, sometimes that's how a lot of us relax. Um, you talk yeah. about houses of worship. Uh, sometimes that's where we find comfort to commiserate, to 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 reflect on the, the problems of the world and so many of the of those vestiges of you know from from the real world right now are are littered with the images and the stories and the sounds of of war and so where, where do we where do we find that refuge when our normal places to get away from it all many of them are 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 spoiled right now? I think that's a very good question. And I think what I would have shared with the group tonight had I been there is that sometimes you really need to limit your exposure to the news. In a, in a sense, right now, people cannot focus on well-being. They can only focus on one thing, which is do no harm. Do no harm to yourself. Do no harm to others. And for me, that means limiting things that harm you, limiting things that affect your nervous system negatively. So it's not a time to focus on positivity and lightness. It's a time to focus on just keeping your nervous system in whatever moments of settled state that you possibly can. So that means being with your tribe. It means being with people that where you feel safe, it might not mean going to a house of worship, but it might be praying with a small group of people. I think limiting news exposure, I love you guys, and I don't mean to say stop listening to CJOB, but just limit it to certain times of day where you can catch up if you need to know what's going on, but then kind of stay off the social media stuff. I think it's very important to engage the right brain which helps to settle the nervous system by creatively thinking about who can we reach out to for help? Who can we send a letter to? Who else can we talk to to help our people? Or what can we do here in Winnipeg? What can we do around the world to support our people in a way that perhaps we haven't thought of? Getting people together and getting the right side of the brain involved in an activity where you can think creatively is so helpful to settling the nervous system. Being outside, if you feel safe being outside, is very settling to the nervous system. So these are things that give you just a tiny little reprieve from the extraordinary fear and terror and stress. And they're just moments that help you maybe keep your head above water. Other people need to work. 
you know, they just need to have their mind filled. And that's okay, too. But at a certain point, you know, your issues within your tissues and you have to come to terms with dealing with the fear and the anxiety. And settling the nervous system means that you try and control what you can control and get support where you can. And your non-Jewish friends love and support you. Some of them are afraid to say anything on social media. I, I never get involved in politics. But somebody rightly corrected me yesterday when I posted about this. And she said, this is not politics, this is humanity. And that is a fact. Sylvia, we'll leave it there. But we thank you so much for joining us in spite of the fact that you're not feeling all that great. Uh, We really value you and appreciate this very much. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for all the amazing stuff you do. Sylvia Marusic is an author, activational speaker, health and wellness expert, and the founder of Mind Body Works.